0: driving, fast. My eyes are pinned to an ever-winding dirt road. I glance over and see the lifeless body of Sean slumped in the passenger seat. But then I can hear his voice.
1: Unfortunately, I've been through this before. I've come to realize that my life
0: decisions are now killing me. I turn back to the road and suddenly, in Ringwood, New Jersey, my hometown. I look at Sean in the passenger seat, but he's gone. And now, it's Zach, and he's smiling, and we're on our way to wrestling practice. But when we arrive, it's not my high school. It's a cabin deep in the woods. I'm gripped with fear, but Zach isn't. Let's go. I follow him to the door of the cabin. Come on, knock. I hesitate.
2: Come on, bro, don't be a pussy.
0: The door opens. It's Jeff Settler, and his throat is slashed, blood soaking into his tie-dye shirt. I scream. I awake from the nightmare to cracks of sunlight streaming through a tarp that forms a roof over my head. bleary eyed and disoriented, I sit up and look at the mattress I just slept on. It's completely covered with a variety of colorful stains. Beneath the mattress is bare earth. Where the fuck am I? All around me, the ground is littered with trash—empty beer bottles, ripped black plastic, and a couple cans of SpaghettiOs that seem to be licked clean by rats. Then it all comes back to me. I'm at the pot farm where Sean works because last night he overdosed and I picked him up from the hospital. I step out of the makeshift tent and take stock of my surroundings. I'm on a hilltop and just a few yards away, there's a sunny clearing filled with marijuana plants. They look tall and healthy but apart from the weed plants, there's an overall atmosphere of decay. There's trash everywhere. I can see an abandoned school bus parked a few feet away and a couple old cars that look like they haven't been started in decades. If Jeff's farm was anything like this one, I feel bad for anyone who had to work on it. The thought of living here for a whole summer makes me shudder. Looking around, I realize I'm the only one awake, so I decide to make an escape before Sean ropes me into another adventure. So now I'm driving down this fucking wild ass dirt road back out of the fucking jungle. And uh, I'm just thinking about how crazy that all was. That's I've never experienced that before. And I mean, being out here is no joke. These are the things that you deal with. I thought that by following in the footsteps of Zach Wooster, I could piece together what happened that led to Jeff Settler's murder. But after last night, I've had enough of this gonzo journalism. This investigation needs to shape up. I'm fucking tired. What would Bob Woodward do? You know, the guy from Watergate? What would he do if he woke up in the middle of the woods on a sketchy-ass pot farm? Hello. Hi. How are you guys? Good, can we get a little uh, iced coffee, please? Yeah, of course. You want any cream and sugar in that? Yes, please. Okay, much better. Now, what would Bob Woodward do after getting sufficiently caffeinated? Hello. Hi. Hi, I'm a reporter hoping to get some documents about a certain case. Probably go after some good old fashioned public records, right? Which case? The Jeff Settler case was a murder that took place in 2016. That was Jeff Settler. Settler. Jeff Settler was the guy who was killed. I'm Sam Anderson, and you're listening to The Emerald Triangle.
2: A man was found murdered in a rural property off Highway 101. The police say their main suspect is 24-year-old Zachary Worcester. The damage to his neck was severe. And Zach was like... I'm going to go live with Kane. He dipped out on his
3: charges. Sounds like classic fucking weed world shit to me.
0: Here's the Zach, because I know you're innocent.
3: You are never going to find out what the fuck happened on that mountain. Chapter 4.
0: Good Old Fashioned Public Records. I'm standing at a window inside the Mendocino County Courthouse in Ukiah, California, about 45 minutes south of Laytonville. And I'm looking for documents, anything related to Jeff's murder. And what documents are you wanting from the case? I'm looking for investigative reports. What kind of investigative reports? Uh, what are they off? What do you got? Okay, so I'll admit it, this was my first time asking for any kind of court records for a story, and I didn't really know what to look for. Luckily, the guy standing next to me stepped in to keep me from looking like a complete amateur. Uh,
1: what you need to do is go to the superior court clerk office. Okay. And tell them you want to look at the Wooster files. Where are they? Upstairs,
0: okay. superior
1: court. Oh. Hey, Nicole? Yes. Superior court clerk, uh,
0: someone... Turns out this guy was the media representative for the Mendocino Sheriff's Office. He said, My best bet at finding out what happened is to look at the transcripts from detectives' interviews with the suspects. And then, is there audio tape? Those interviews would have been recorded, right? Probably. The sheriff's office would have the
1: investigative reports, audio, whatever, and you can deal with it, Captain.
0: All right. Thanks for everything. Sure. Oh, also, is there a bathroom we could use? Yes. <laughs> Upstairs in the courthouse, they let me look at a couple different documents, but none of them were really that helpful. So following the media rep's advice, I reached out to the sheriff's office in hopes of getting material from the investigation itself. It took me a couple weeks of emailing, calling, following up, emailing again, calling again. But eventually I found myself in the Mendocino County Sheriff's department. An officer led me to a desk in a dingy bureaucratic looking room the kind with those soft beige walls you can put a thumbtack in. It was silent, except for the hum of a water cooler in the corner. On the desk was a Windows 2000 computer and a big stack of CDs, cryptically labeled with letters and numbers. I picked up a disc labeled Krosky's Recorder and popped it into the drive. At first, all I could hear was handling noise they really should teach proper audio recording at Police Academy. True crime podcasts would, like, totally benefit from that. No, no, anyway, I fast-forwarded a bit until a couple of voices emerged.
2: Let's go in here I'll get the cuffs off and then I'll get your glasses glass the bottom line. I'm just going to read you your rights. Uh, you have the right to remain silent, do you understand? Yes. Okay. Anything you say may be used against you in court, do you
1: understand? Yes. Can we start just, um... With your name is Zachary Ryan Wooster, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover.
2: First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun.
1: Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.
0: About a week after my visit to the sheriff's office, I'm sitting at a picnic bench at the Mendocino Magic Campground in Laytonville where I set up my home base for the reporting trip. Now, here's the thing. I wasn't allowed to copy those police tapes that day at the sheriff's office, but shout out to traditional reporting methods because after many more phone calls and emails, I got them. I can't say who gave them to me, but I now have 50 gigabytes of law enforcement interviews. It's the stuff that podcasters' dreams are made of and possibly a path to figuring out what happened on Jeff Settler's pot farm that night. I put on my headphones and load up Zach's first interview with detectives.
2: Appreciate you reaching out.
1: Mm. I was going to do it sooner, but uh, I was just freaking out.
2: Yeah, it sounded like it's been a crazy few days for you.
0: Yeah. Listening to Zach's voice come out of my computer felt surreal.
2: Well, let me say this first. Um, marijuana... Working on grows, none of that's important to us. Okay, we're, we're not street cops. I, I don't care.
0: This is Matt Krosky, the lead detective you heard in episode one. Zach, I didn't introduce myself. Uh, Espinoza, I'm Luis Espinoza, Matt's partner. I'm sure he introduced himself to you. Krosky and Espinoza. And this sounds like the first time they've spoken to Zach. So it must have been right after Zach turned himself in. So, I, I'd like to hear your side of the story. I'd like to understand what happened. Um...
1: There's a lot to it.
0: Okay.
1: But I don't even know where i like to begin. How long have
2: you been out in California?
1: I left May 8th from New Jersey and I took around three and a half, four days.
2: How'd you end up out here? Uh,
1: a friend took me out here. Okay. I got up there May 22nd. I was up there working. I planted pretty much all those plants.
0: Zach arrives at Jeff's farm in May of 2016. Which aligns with what his friends told me about when he left New Jersey, and he says he planted almost all the weed plants on Jeff's farm. He doesn't give too many details about that summer, but he does say this:
1: Didn't get paid out fully. Got 500 bucks for 103 days' work. How much are you owed? 103 days. I was supposed to get paid seven grand. Seven grand.
0: But Jeff only paid him 500 dollars, saying he would get the rest of the money when he sold the weed. That works out to less than five dollars a day.
1: They said he's going to pay me. 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 He's going to pay, pay me. And um, kept on falling through each time, trying to get money from him for months.
0: So that's how this whole thing started.
1: Who else is owed that
0: amount? Everybody was owed money. So everybody was owed money. Who's everybody?
3: So,
2: Zach, who's there?
1: Who's driving the plane? Cricket, the most, is the
0: one who is uh, the angriest out of everybody. The first person Zach names is a guy they called Cricket. But from the court records, I know his real name is Gary Blank. Zach says that he was the angriest out of the group.
2: Gary and Gary's one Cricket and one's Giggles.
0: Yeah, Cricket. Okay. So there's a second Gary, and his name is Gary Fitzgerald, also known as Giggles. Giggles is owed the most money.
1: Giggles, because he was there longest. Yeah. You've talked about Kane.
0: The next name they mention is Michael Kane, Zach's friend from back east, the guy he followed out here. What was Kane's beef with, Jeff? Um,
1: money was a big one. you owed money. Both Garys are owed money every single person besides Jesse.
0: Everybody was owed money, except a guy named Jesse. Why is Jesse there? He
1: you know, take some. Some of the weed? Yeah. So the goal was to go up and take the weed if you you didn't have the money. I was gonna just take what what was owed to me and, and leave. sat around all day, waiting, 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 no response, no response, no response. And um, everybody was going crazy. Everybody's a little intoxicated. One thing led to another. Everybody was like, well, let's go up there then. Get what we Who talks about hurting him before you guys go up there? Who's intent on hurting him? can Teach him a lesson? But yeah. uh, I didn't think that they were actually going to kill him. I didn't think that that was going to go that far. I didn't get anything. I didn't touch anything. <sighs> After they started beating him, I didn't want to be a part of anything anymore.
2: Hey, exactly. I know that was hard for you. You know, it's hard to come in here and say that. That's a lot to deal with. You did good.
0: Wow, so Zach admits to the robbery. But when it comes to the murder, Zach takes himself out of it.
1: You have to understand I'm a cop, right? I mean, I, people lie to me all the time. I want to believe you, but up until that point, your intention was to go up there to get what was owed to you. Either he gives it to you or you take it. You're telling me you didn't intend to kill him. You aren't the violent guy in this. And you don't seem like it. I mean, listening to you talk to Matt, I mean, you you don't seem like that guy. I don't want to be violent, I'm not violent. I mean, if we went back and talked to your mother and your friends and everyone else back east, how are they going to describe you? It's not me. It's not you, right? We want Cricket in custody. I want Kane in custody. Yeah. Jesse in custody. Yeah. We'll give you a hypothetical. I go to talk to them. We yeah. go, this wasn't our idea. Zach put this together. Zach came up with the idea to go take all that weed to rob him. Zach wanted to make sure we were armed and we went up there we killed him. It's all on Zach. I'm throwing a hypothetical at you. Is that true? No. Why not? It's not true. How am I going to prove it's not true? I there's, I did not kill him.
0: Sitting at a picnic table not far from my tent, I look up at the mountains. The sun is setting and the trees are a deep dark green fading to black. I imagine Zach walking up there to Jeff's pot farm in the dark. The popular guy from my high school, now rolling with a gang of armed men on the way to rob and kill Jeff Settler. It seems like he was more deeply involved than I thought. I look down at my computer and the long list of files glowing on the screen. Jesse, Giggles, Cricket… The names are all there. 50 gigabytes of interviews. I'm going to need some help to sort this out. So I call up the guy whose voice I heard on the tapes. Hey Sam, it's Matt. Detective Matt Krosky. Hey, how's it going over there? Good. Lucky for me, Krosky was open to sharing his thoughts on the case. And the first thing I wanted to know was his first impression of Zach. He was... Big,
2: tall, good-looking guy, had a beard, looked like a, you know, a Grizzly Adams. We talked for five hours or so. It was really just kind of coaxing him along, trying to get him to to tell us
0: those details. Among those details were the names of the other suspects. Tell me about that manhunt. How did you eventually catch up with them? We were running around like
2: chicken with, with our head cut off, trying to find suspects all over the country. It was a lot of good work between the U.S. Marshals and Border Patrol and the FBI, and then numerous local police and sheriff's offices doing stakeouts in the middle of the night for us. And then kind of like dominoes, you know, one started to fall and then it just just kept coming.
0: Two weeks after Zach turned himself in, they found giggles. He was just 30 minutes away in Ukiah.
2: Giggles, kind of a big goober. Every sentence ends with a goofy, weird laugh. Our <laughs>
1: interview was <with> Giggles. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Definitely not somebody that struck fear in me and wouldn't strike fear in most people.
1: When did you first start working for Joe? Like on the property last summer.
2: Last, last summer? May, yeah.
1: Um, Zach worked with you up
2: there? Zach and Kane. Kane, we found out, was already a fugitive on other drug charges.
0: — Michael Kane was the next guy they picked up. He had fled to Mexico and actually made it over the border. But then, something compelled him to turn himself in.
2: — He turned himself in to Border Patrol, saying he had information about a threat to Donald Trump's
0: inauguration. — Jeff Settler's murder happened just after Donald Trump was elected president. The story Kane tells Krosky goes like this. A biker gang
2: was going to hand out flag stickers that you would put on your skin, but they were laced with drugs or, or some ridiculous scenario
0: like that. Is your take that Kane was just kind of making this up, or did he truly believe this?
2: I think it was a farce to either buy himself some protection or he was just so high that he may have believed it in the
0: moment. Jesse, um, really stayed hidden well. They sent a SWAT team to arrest the next suspect, Jesse Wells, in Lake Tahoe.
2: A huge armored vehicle pulled up and the other roommate goes, Jesse, they brought a fucking tank to get you. He's like, I know, I know. And just gets in the car like it's no big deal.
3: I don't know what happened up top of the hill. I wish I did. I only knew Kane and Zach. They asked me numerous times to give them a ride that night and I only gave Kane a ride. I don't know any of the other parties involved.
2: Cricket was thin build, kind of wiry, looks a little scary, looks a little psycho. If you had him hopped up on something, I don't think there's anything that guy wouldn't
0: do. Cricket fled across the country and was arrested in Jersey, of all places.
1: I apologize for being such a hard guy to find
2: out on this. I mean, <laughs> I have so much going on in my life, and I'm so, freaked out.
1: There's a lot of insanity with this LSD this freaking deadhead was giving us, you know? This guy was giving it to us like candy.
2: We tend to go into those interviews with the assumption that half of what you're telling me is probably not true or some shaded version of the truth, and we felt like we would take one step forward and two steps back every time. For me, it, it, it was the hardest case I'd ever dealt with.
0: Listening to these interviews, I can see what Kroski's saying. It's really not clear who did what, or exactly what happened. Everybody points the finger at someone else. Zach, for example, points at Jesse.
1: He was kind of really pumping every, everything up. Jesse was? Yeah.
0: Why? At least really pumping me up. And Jesse, he points back at Zack. —
3: After what Zack and Cricket said to me, I wish I could point a finger at them. — Did you ever go up the hill? — No. — Be honest with me. — I never went up the hill. I never entered a dwelling. I never saw anything happen. —
0: So there's definitely some animosity between Jesse and Zack. Then there's what Giggles says about Zack. — Zach at one point, said, I'm going to fucking kill this guy, Jeff. But Zach throws it back on Kane and Cricket.
1: Kane had told me, and Cricket uh, both said that they were going to kill him. But you know, I've known Kane for a few years, and I didn't really think that he was serious.
0: Giggles also points at Cricket. Cricket, at one point, we went to the bar. He was just talking to
1: me like, "So we need to kill this guy." Basically, the gist he was getting at.
0: And Cricket kind of agrees with him. I didn't, did I? That's what I'm asking, man. I don't want to know if I did. I don't want to know if I did. I don't want to know because
2: I'm not that kind of a person. Did you just get sucked into it? I didn't
3: want Kane to kill me. Zach. Cricket. Kane. Jesse. Cricket.
1: Jesse. Kane. Giggles. Kane Assaulted and
0: killed Jeff. Okay, that's a lot of people saying a lot of things. Who am I supposed to believe? Kroski told me to keep digging and call him back once I had a better understanding of the case. And after hearing all of those voices, I knew I needed to reach out to these guys directly. And they weren't hard to track down. They're in prison after all. So I pulled out my notebook and started writing some letters. Dear Cricket, my name is Sam Anderson. I'm a journalist making a podcast about the Jeff Settler homicide. Dear Jesse, I spoke with your attorney and she had a lot of nice things to say about you. Dear Giggles, do you mind if I call you Giggles? Dear Michael, I'm writing to give you an opportunity to share your side of the story. And finally, I wrote to Zach. And this wasn't the first time I reached out to him. Back in Ringwood, after interviewing his friends, I asked them to pass on the message that I was trying to get in touch. They said he was skeptical of being interviewed but I thought that maybe if Zach knew I had actually come to Laytonville, he'd know my investigation was for real and decide to talk. So I was optimistic about this letter. Dear Zach, It's been a while since we last talked. I'm sure the adjustment to state prison must be tough. I'm reaching out because I want to keep the communication going. If I were in your position, I'd have a lot of hesitation about sharing my story with the world but I also think that you understand the potential positive impact of sharing that story. Since I'm here, I would love to visit you and catch up. It would be nice to actually meet in person for the first time in five years. Peace and love, Sam. I head to the small country post office in Laytonville and pop my letters in the mail. The bait has been cast. Now, all there is to do is wait and see who bites.
3: You have a prepaid call from an inmate at the California Healthcare facility. To accept this call, say or dial five now.
0: Hello. City, The Emerald Triangle is a production of Truth Media in partnership with Novel and Sony Music Entertainment. The series is written and reported by me, Sam Anderson. Our senior producer is Joe Wheeler. Our producers are Alexa Burke, Lee Meyer, and Zach St. Louis. Story editing by Mark Smerling and Austin Mitchell. Our assistant producer is Sasha Baker with additional research by Ivan Devon. Additional reporting by Mickey Capper. Scott Curtis and Sheree Houston are our production managers. Fact checking by Dania Suleiman. Mixing and sound design by Daniel Kempson. Our title track and additional tracks are composed and produced by Robert Quijano and Christopher Rose with additional production by Nicholas Alexander. It was engineered by Peter Oviat and recorded at Moonflower Sounds Studios in Taos, New Mexico. Additional music from Marmoset and Epidemic Sound. Development by Willard Foxton. With special thanks to Indira Burney, Max O'Brien, Sean Glynn, and Matt O'Mara. Also, special thanks to the amazing studio musicians and Moonflower Sounds. And finally, a huge thanks to Mackenzie O'Donnell and the team at the Mendocino Magic Campground for letting me post up for so long. If you're ever in Laytonville, that's definitely the spot to camp out. You can continue the conversation with us online by tweeting at CrookedCityPod. If you've enjoyed The Emerald Triangle, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show.